Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Battaglia on the sports leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The Fan, Rochester. Yeah, I forgot to mention, you know how elite a listener Chris from South Central Kentucky is? He's so elite. He made a point to tell me that the beer he was leaving us, 9%. Nine times. 9% did that on purpose, I'm sure. I could nurse one of these over a full week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Matthew Fairburn. Let's raise a glass in the direction of Nashville, Tennessee. Covering the Sabres for the Athletic and at the NHL Draft. Good with his time to join us here in the sports bar. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you guys? Yeah, Matthew, we got uh, a lot of hockey news happening here uh, for the last week in, in June. And uh, just kind of taking the first glance here as we look at the dates. And it's not quite like when the NFL schedule comes down. What does this mean? And uh, you, you look at that. But your, your thoughts on the Sabres schedule here is uh, that just dropped here at 3 o'clock. Yeah, you're right. It, it's different than the NFL schedule release it's uh you know everybody's going to play everybody at some point right and so you know they they get a good chunk of the season at home to start which i think you know i remember last season them starting on the road and a lot of the excitement that was building was so far from home they were in western canada and they were winning these games and i think there's a benefit to having those early home games to build momentum and, and capture the attention of the fan base. It's always a challenge in the fall during football season and last fall in particular, getting people back into the building and all that. And they were really back in a good place attendance wise and energy wise toward the end of the season. There's going to be a ton of buzz going into the year. So that first month having a a good amount of home games, I think is a real opportunity for them to, they didn't play well at home last year. And, you know, that's a good chance for them to show, that this team will be different and that, you know, the fans can expect a different product on home ice this year. So is there anything more that the Sabres as an organization can do to help that that presence there on home ice, to to turn a leaf on, on the fan who looks at what they've done and says, yeah, they haven't done enough or I need to see it in order to believe that they're actually good enough to be a playoff team this upcoming season? You know, I think the biggest thing with with the home ice home ice was a weird thing for the Sabres last year where they played so well away from home and they were struggling on home ice. And 
they were also in a transition year in the sense that they weren't in the same spot attendance-wise as they were the few years before that, where for good reason, a lot of Sabres fans had not returned to the building after the pandemic and said, you know what, until there's a winning product on the ice, I'm not going to support this with my dollars. And I think that was justified. Last year, they were a team worth watching for the first time in a long time. They were a team worth the price of admission with some star players worth watching, but they weren't all the way back because they haven't made the playoffs still and they haven't been a winner. And last year, I think they showed that they were more competitive and that made them, you know, more of a big ticket item towards the end of the season. But what happened was best I can sense. And I had a conversation with Alex talk about this at one point. He said, he thinks that, there was pressure that they were putting on themselves to keep the attendance high. They had the extra pressure at home thinking if we lose, are these guys going to, you know, are these fans going to leave? Are these fans not going to come back to our next home game because we have a bad showing? And they were really in their heads about that, which I think is just immaturity. You know, I think it's youth and lack of experience and the longer that they're, you know, going through that playoff push and going through those moments of, failure and and realizing that it wasn't the end of the world right that fans will come back and if you win they'll continue to come back i think there will be a different maturity about this group and a different mindset not so concerned because when you're on the road you've got that you against the world you know type of mentality and you don't you know you're going in there trying to ruin the crowd's night and when you're at home you're in there thinking i don't want to ruin these people's nights because you know they all came to pay money uh, paid money to come see us play. So I think it's just a, a, a little bit of a weird psychology thing with that particular team, that particular group being so, so young and really caring and understanding what the fan base and the community has been through uh, from a hockey standpoint and internalizing that a little bit too much. And I think they'll be better at it next year. Matthew Fairburn from The Athletic, our guest here in the sports bar. Uh, so Kevin Adams uh, just spoke uh, recently. Matthew, you were there. Tell us anything here. Tell us uh, who, who he's thinking about selecting tomorrow night. Or probably not. Yeah, he didn't exactly open up the playbook. But, you know, he Kevin Adams is always good with his time and always always candid as possible. And, you know, I think the Rochester audience would certainly like to hear that Kevin Adams does expect Seth Appert to be back good. Uh, as the Amherst coach next season. That cannot be guaranteed, right? Kevin Adams also said that he's been upfront with Seth about if opportunities present themselves for Seth. Like Kevin Adams believes that Seth Appert will be an NHL head coach uh, at some point. It's a matter of of when, not if. And so, if that were to pop up this off season, you know, then Kevin Adams is not certainly not going to stand in his way. But he said, as of now, he expects him back, and they've had some interviews for assistance. And, you know, filling out those spots. So, uh, you know, a bit of a weird year for them to have the turnover on the coaching staff. But uh, I think Kevin Adams has shown a a bit of an aptitude for finding the right types of coaches to develop these players. I think Seth Appert is is the perfect example. He's, He's really the one spearheading things. And so I'll be interested to see how they round out their staff. And that may come, you know, come out here sooner rather than later. 
Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic joining us in the sports bar. It's Danger and Bataglia on the fan. We look ahead to tomorrow night, Matthew. The Sabres right now at 13. Do you imagine Kevin Adams stays put? And uh, which direction do you think they go? I mean, chalk pick here. Everybody's saying the same thing, and I'm sure you're going to hit us with best player available. But would there be something to be said for for the Sabres uh, adding a little depth to their decor in terms of uh, adding a prospect in round one? Yeah, so Kevin Adams has had, you know, the the obligatory conversations with teams ahead of him, teams behind him in the order, trying to figure out if there's a possibility for them to move around in the order, maybe move up. It's really, it's so much different than the NFL in terms of movement on draft night. You'll see these picks traded for players sometimes, uh, and quite often, you know, during the course of the round, but you don't often see teams jumping into the top 10 and, you know, we were batting around some theories about that today with Kevin Adams. And I think my working theory is that, you know, they don't have quite as much time in the run-up to the draft as other leagues. But also, I think there's an element of, you know, those top 10 picks being so valuable because there is a bit more certainty in the NHL draft process just in terms of how prospects are ordered. And so, teams know where the drop-off is and there's a little bit more uh, of a uniform stance on who these players are compared to football team needs are so different because you're not drafting for immediate needs. So trading up is going to be a challenge. I still think they're going to be able to get a good player at 13 though. And there's definitely something to adding defensive depth. I just think in a draft where you're drafting for three, four years down the road, it is hard to pinpoint your needs. And the fact of the matter is two of their, or really three of their top four defensemen are locked in and very young. And so the organizational depth on defense probably has felt more in Rochester, frankly, you know, or, but there are some players coming through with Ryan Johnson and, and Novikov will be coming over. And so the depth isn't terrible. And I think when you're talking about rounding out the depth on defense, you do that in rounds two through seven and don't force it at 13. You know, I, I like Simashev, the, the defenseman out of Russia, if he's there at 13. But I also think with so much top-end talent at forward, the possibility of other teams reaching for defensemen could push Zach Benson, Oliver Moore, uh, Nate Danielson down the board to 13. And if that happens, you have to, you know, take advantage. Uh, if, if there's a forward that gets pushed down, you want impact players on your team, but you also just want high-end talent that will be attractive on the trade market. And so that's why I just don't think you can you can force it too much on defense. Yeah, Matthew, as far as if they do take a defenseman, I don't know if anybody should have expectations that's going to be a contributor like, say, for instance, Owen Power was or one of those super elite prospects. So I guess my question is, and it's funny how, like you mentioned, how the NFL and the NHL are, are different with the run-up time. There's no time in between here because, boom, you've got free agency coming up here July 1st. You've got the, the trade market opening up. I, I guess my question here is there's a lot of expectation amongst Sabre fans uh for buffalo to go get a veteran defenseman uh who might be some of those candidates would it be more probable that the sabers would actually use a trade rather than dipping their toe into free agency here the trade market might be your best bet to get a reasonable you know contract or a 
a more attractive player. And, uh, you know, Noah Hannafin is the big name on the market, and the Panthers have been kicking around, but the Sabres are a team that tends to get tied to him. He's from Massachusetts. Apparently he wants to be in the United States, and Buffalo is certainly a lot closer to home uh, than Calgary is where he plays right now. He has experience playing under Don Granado at the program. He played with Alex Tuck at BC. So I see a lot of connections there where that, to me, is a player worth going after. He's got one year left on his deal at just under $5 million. It just He feels like the right age, the right caliber player compared to what you're going to get on the free agent market because guess what? The Sabres need a defenseman. So does half the league. And so when those guys hit free agency, like a Scott Mayfield is a good example, he's going to command a pretty big contract and he's going to get some term. So the Sabres have to sit there and think, okay, if we're paying this guy $6 million a year for the next four or five, well, we also need to think about the fact that, you know, this year the Sabres have to, you know, pay Rasmus Dahlin potentially 10 plus for the next eight years. And then they're doing the balancing act with, with Owen Power, do you give him a bridge deal at you know three years for six and a half, and then in three years you're having that same conversation? So those future cap planning, the space does dry up pretty quick, which is why I think the trade market makes sense because you have a little bit more control over over cost in some cases, and you're getting a player potentially that fits their age window a little bit better. So that's where. I think the number 13 pick should be in play there or your 2024 first at the very least. And some of these prospects, Isak, Roseanne, uh, somebody, you know, Noah Oslin maybe, where maybe they're not your top, top prospects, but in other teams' prospects pools, they would be near the top. And I think at some point you have to be willing to part with some of those assets because you can already see right now, look at the Sabres roster at forward. There's not room for anybody. You know, if they can't trade Victor Olofsson, there's no room for Yuri Kulik. Uh, there's hardly room for, for all the guys they have now, and there might not be room for Tyson Jost. So all of these talented forward prospects, you have to create room for them. And, and part of that, I think, is going to be trading some of those guys uh, to balance out the roster in other ways. There have been a lot of talk leading up to the draft, Matthew, about w- whether or not the Sabres would trade for a goaltender. Uh, would you add another body into that uh, already crowded room of three goaltenders with Comrie, UPL, and, and Devin Levi? What do you think... Kevin Adams should do and what do you think Kevin Adams will do in terms of his goaltending room yeah that's such a complicated question it seems so simple uh you know on the outside right if if one of these big names is available that is probably the biggest missing piece from last year if they had a better goalie if they got better goaltending they probably would have been a playoff team there's a lot that goes into that in terms of team-wide defense uh defense from the forward group better defense uh, you know, from the blue line, but there's no question that at times goaltending let them down. So to me, it, it, it will all come down to price because you cannot go too crazy on a Connor Hellebuck trade if it's just for one year. And, you know, everybody's talking about how he wants, you know, top of the market money in his next deal, which he deserves, but are you going to pay him top of the market money and still have Devin Levi on your team? So, they're in such a weird spot where it seems so risky to go into the year with Devin Levi and Uko Pekalukkanen as your one-two punch. But I'm okay with them doing that, if only because of last year when you saw, even with 
below average goaltending, they hung around in the playoff race. If it becomes a thing where later in the year you're realizing goaltending is holding you back again, you can always make a trade at the deadline. I think their scoring will be good enough to make up for it and, and keep, you know, let those guys still figure things out. I think Devin Levi is good enough to, you know, look at New Jersey. They had, you know, young goaltenders last year and they did fine. So there's ways to insulate, you know, your goalies a little bit better than the Sabres did last year, but I would expect them to be active in those conversations. I don't love the free agent options. There's just question marks about all of them. And then it's going to come down to price on the trade market. Are you going to sell? It would be really cool to see UC Saros and Devin Levi, these two undersized goalies, you know, work in tandem together. That would be incredible. But if it's multiple first round picks for UC Saros, it's not just the picks. You can part with the picks, but it's what else could you use those picks for? Uh, you know, you could package those for Noah Hannafin instead. And is he going to have a bigger impact? You know, and I think they they really do internally feel even stronger than you could imagine about Devin Levi and his ability to do this right away. And so any trade, you know, they don't want to block his opportunity. And so I understand people are are hesitant about Comrie and Lukanen, but. You know, Lukanen was in his first full NHL season last year, and I thought had some really strong moments. And as a one one B or a two, he's he's really not a bad option. When you look at what the actual options are on the free agent market, it's hard to find any that you can definitively say are going to be upgrades over Lukanen, who you've been developing internally and is comfortable in Buffalo. All those things. I think you could probably, to a lesser extent, say some of the same things about Comrie. So. Yeah, it's they're, the goalie market's going to be really interesting to follow because the Sabres aren't the only team that could use one. And I think the Sabres are going to be used as one of those teams uh, that gets floated out there and attached to these names to help drum up trade interest. But I don't know if I expect Kevin Adams to use his assets that way. It would be possibly the most impactful thing they could do is add Connor Hellebuck. But it, it is a really complicated thing to do, both from cost of acquisition and future planning of, how you split the net and what you do with him beyond this season, depending on what you paid for him. Yeah. It, it, Matthew Fairburn from the athletic is our guest. And, and I guess we're kind of covering some ground here um, that we talked about back in the spring, but I think it's important to kind of bring up moving forward. Cause Matthew, did they really know what they had in Devin Levi? Because I always go back to the clear day roster and I get it. it like if, if UPL was your one B at that point, um, you're, you're not making him available for the Rochester of the playoffs, but on the other hand, it would have been good to get a little bit of experience what playoff hockey is actually like in the pros here, and, and to, to the point that actually once Devin Levi showed up on the scene, we hardly saw UPL anymore. Yeah, that is the, the tricky piece of this, is that did they miscalculate a little bit there? And I think it's possible that they said, you know, they – I think they were, they seemed really hesitant about those paper transactions that would have made sense, you know, in theory. And there's, there's probably a lot of development psychology, you know, Don Granado thinks a lot about those things. And so I'm sure there was some element of not wanting to put any doubt in Lukanen's head because they really might have needed him. I think it would have been easy enough to explain, right? You know, kind of like we talked about, like, how hard would it be to explain to Lukanen, hey, just in case we're going to make this move. But even so, 
goalies are tricky and mentally you really wanted him locked in. So I can understand thinking, Hey, we really might need this guy and we really need him to get hot. And we really need him to think that he is an NHL goalie and we don't even have any other thought about it. And they've, I think they have been mindful of once guys are up trying not to put that seed of doubt in the back of their mind. And so I understand why people would have wanted to see Lucan in, in the, in the AHL playoffs, but I, I can, when you're really up close to it, I can understand what the Sabres are thinking because a lot of these guys are so young and it may seem to a fan like no big deal. It's just a paper transaction. But even those paper transactions probably make you think a little bit, yeah, right? It's a like, delicate oh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. And a goalie especially. And they were that way too. If you think about it with like JJ Paterka and Jack Quinn, when right. they were juggling the roster and, and they were very weary of, of some of that stuff, but with a goalie, especially at that delicate point in the season, uh, you know, and a delicate point in his development, frankly, like he had finally turned a corner where he said, I'm an NHL goalie and I'm not going back down. And so, yeah, from a roster juggling standpoint, it would have made sense. But, you know, and it probably would have been good experience, no doubt about it. Uh, although Rochester, you know, got, got good enough goaltending yeah. um, out of Subban. So it, it's not as if they desperately needed him. Maybe Lukanen could have benefited from it, but you could argue that he benefited from the clarity of mission there to say, I'm an NHL goalie. It just, it was really unfortunate the way it played out that he didn't get on the ice much at the end of the year. And so then it was, then it really felt like, okay, he should have been in Rochester to taste the playoffs. But like you said, they probably didn't know. I don't think anybody could have known how good Devin Levi would be right away. And that just, I think altered their plan for this off season a little bit to say, yeah, this kid is probably ready to take the reins. And I think the competition will be a good thing for Lukanen over the off season, you know, being fully healthy and, and being able to attack his off season and take another step. Matthew, what do you got uh, going on at the athletic that our listeners can check out here on the eve of the NHL draft? I've got a little bit of a, a mock off season that I ran through, just kind of going through the biggest questions, some of which we hit on here about the draft, what to do with the picks some trade options, what I would do. And at the end, you know, kind of put together what the opening day depth chart might look like. And, and I'm going to put together some of my final draft specific thoughts for the morning, just to brain dump where I'm, where I'm thinking they should go with 13 and, and beyond some names to watch some, some guys that have caught my eye and kind of the, the strategy I think they should have types of players in this class they should be looking at. And then of course, you know, tomorrow night is, is round one and um, you know, we'll have you covered all the way through. Um, you know, there's a local kid here uh, from Buffalo yeah. that should hear his name called. And I've got a story coming on him. And so uh, Quentin Musty, um is a Buffalo kid, and there's a few other uh, local products as well. So it should be a fun week of hockey, and then it's uh, right back up to Buffalo and free agency on Saturday. So it's in development camp the week after. So a good time to jump on board at the Athletic because we're going to have we're going to have it covered wall to wall. Nice. One quick one for me, Matthew. Uh, were you the one who cast the vote uh, for Jeff Skinner to win the Lady Bank? <laughs> I did not. Uh, you could. You know, it's funny. I'm wondering. Somebody must have sorted by 
by penalty minutes. Kevin Adams was <laughs> laughing about it because he was like, you know, maybe if he didn't, you know, get a suspension, uh, he could have he could have really gone up that that was. Maybe if uh, you know he he didn't cross check that guy, then uh, he would have had a better yeah, case. But he is uh, he's one of those guys that if you watch him, if you just looked at the stat sheet and you you thought, oh, this guy doesn't necessarily take a lot of penalties, you might you might put him in that category. But when you watch him close, he's uh, he's not exactly my first pick for the Lady Bank, nice. put it that way. Pesky. He's, he's a bug. Yeah. Matthew, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy your trip. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'll talk to you soon. You got yeah, it. Thanks, there he is. Matthew Fairburn, our buddy from The Athletic, covering the Buffalo Sabres in Nashville for the NHL draft tomorrow night. Looking Can forward to that. we go back to what yeah, Kevin Adams talking about Seth Appert today? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like, I should read up. Like, I would assume there's still some vacancies. Like, is Seth Appert getting bites right now in the NHL? I think Seth Appert wants to be a head coach. At least that's what he told us, right? Right. Like, like he could have one of those assistant positions, but where does that I think he wants to be a head coach. We've seen our head coaches in Rochester go up to the NHL and do well as assistant coaches. And maybe eventually a Chris Taylor will become... An NHL head coach. We we believe that when he was here. We we're but we're also very close to the flame, and we want to believe, and we have pride in the guys that are here because we've seen it happen before, right? We saw it with Keenan. We saw it. We saw it with Torts. Well, this is going to be a big year coming up, and I'll explain here. And it's nothing to do with Appert, but like another former Amher head coach was in the news yesterday. Benoit grew left Syracuse after seven years. Yeah, and well. Hey, if it's not happening here, I'm, and again, I don't know the particulars of that, but he never got the call up. And I think there are two different types of coaches, groom a little more old style rather than Appert. But if Appert's entering year number four, like that's going to be a big kind of year. Like if at least the Amherst kind of win, get back to the postseason. My expectation is going to have some interviews, you know, by this time next year. Yeah, love what the team has done under his his leadership. Uh, love that we have the opportunity to talk to him during the season as often as we do, that he makes himself accessible and available. Uh, and I think it is a matter of time before he ends up behind an NHL bench. I think that will happen. But I think for that to happen, I think he's got to win it all here first or at least come close to winning it all. And every year he's advanced a little bit further. Let's see if if next year continues that pattern. Uh, let's get to appetizers next. We'll get some news and notes from around the NFL. Uh, and, of course, down season here in, in the NFL. Not a lot going on, but we do have uh, news on uh, the NFL releasing their officiating crews. All uh, oh. all of their officiating crews have been Fan- released, including yeah. a name. I don't know if you remember this or not. A name of an official who will be retired this season. That we won't hear for the first time in 19 years. Please say it's Jerome Boger. Please say it's Jerome Boger. Appetizers next in the sports bar. Danger and Bataglia on the fan. Odyssey has sports for every fan. Keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the inside scoop from experts. A-U-D-A-C-Y. Odyssey. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.